Welcome to the Nerds and Friends podcast. Today we have author Elizabeth Lavender joining us, the author of the Sunspear series. Love the title of that. I want to hear more about it. Let's let's dive right in. Tell us all about your book series. Um, so I have three books out right now in the series. Um, Spending of Deception, Deceptions Hold, and Shadow Bonds. I am currently writing the fourth in the series. It doesn't have a name yet, but that'll change at some point. Nice. I don't name them till after I'm finished writing the manuscript. So, Oh, interesting. That's cool. That's different. Well, um, my, the books, um, the title comes from what is actually going on in the storyline at that time. Just like the covers <laughs> um, are directly related to what's going on in the storyline. So. That's but it awesome. doesn't get a name till the end of the manuscript. So nice, very cool. Well, tell us a little bit about the story. Who are the main characters? What's the what's the plot? So um, we have two main characters. We have Dante, our one of our Sunspear bears, and the Sunspear bear is the one that bears the Sunspear. Sunspear is half spear, half sword, and it nice. has a jewel in the middle of it, and it gets its name because when it reflects the when the jewels reflects the light. Uh, natural light like the sun moon um it has it shines quite brilliantly so um so anyway we have our first sun spear bearer dante um he is um he fights um like pretty he's known pretty well for his sun spear abilities um and his but unfortunately his father is on the other side um fighting with the dark lord's army and as you continue to get into the story, you will find out exactly how that occurred. And um, so that's part of our story. So he has a vested interest in um, fighting on the other side here. And he's um, determined not to lose anymore because he's seen a lot. Um, so we have that on one side going on. Then we have um, our girl. And she is um, fighting on, she's fighting on the same side, but she fights in secret. Um, And we find out that there is a reason for that. She has kind of a dysfunctional family going on. Um, So she has to do hers in secret. Um, And she is called the girl for the first two books. She does not have a name. She does get a name in the third book, but it's still not her real name. So we will not find out who she is. Um, until the very last book in the series. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's caused some issues. I have one of my coworkers that is like, really, we don't know her name. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not going to buy it until the very, you finish the series because I want a name. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like you'll have to wait <laughs> with everybody else. So, um, but yeah, so she has um, her, her um, family, um, her dad kind of has works both sides of it. And because of that, um, she cannot be known that she's getting trained, basically. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that's what we basically have. We have the two of them that they're fighting the same war, but they're fighting it in different ways. So as we continue in the series, um, there is an event from the past that has happened. Um, and that is part of the reason why Dante's father is fighting on the other side is because he believed how that event occurred. And it is found that it didn't actually occur that way. And the girl has um, a gift of visions and she has shown the truth of how what happened with that. And um, at some point, um, she is able to 
get that information to Dante. And that that pretty much springboards a whole bunch of other things that start happening in the book. And we go from there and it puts Dante with a task that he must do um, that can influence like changing the tide that's going on now. And from the rest of the series, they have um, a bond that starts forming and it is very important to the entire series, but they don't meet until it's, they may meet, but they, for the first two books, they don't know each other. They don't meet. He just knows there's this person that has information about his family and yeah. That's cool. There we go. So that's pretty much. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot going on. So. Yeah, and I take it from the way you described this uh, that this is a uh, a high fantasy kind of setting, or or what's um, yeah. what would, would you kind of clarify your genre? It um it is it is fantasy and sci-fi. Ooh. Oh, fun! Yeah, it I I I like both, so I couldn't choose, so I just did both. So it really does. I also like chocolate and my peanut butter. So yeah, like that is <laughs> I'm all in. If it's got chocolate, we're good. But I I I like Reese's so. Mm-hmm. I'm all there. Um, so yeah, it it actually does have a very strong Star Wars feel as far as the scenery and the technology and stuff. Um, so that part of it is very strong in it. Um, it has the fantasy because of the sun spears, and it has a figure in there like the ancient one that kind of directs stuff, but he doesn't actually direct. I mean, he like kind of guides them in places um it has something with like portals that kind of how they can travel in and out of stuff um so the that kind of in her her visions kind of has a fantasy feel so it's got a lot in both worlds um it also has another genre kind of i don't know if it's you call it a genre but it has um it has a constant like this unseen battlefield that's going on Um, Mm -hmm. kind of more like kind of the supernatural, but um, thriller suspense kind of thing. Um, Just because um, with the dark Lord, there's a lot of deception that he spends and that's part of where the title comes from. Um, And a, a lot of their battles are not just with the sun sphere and the tanks and the blasters and stuff. A lot of it comes down to internal battles that go on and then they find themselves um, played out in the external, um, especially with the girl. She has a lot of internal demons, as you might say. Um, and so they kind of get played out um, on the external. And Dante has a major confrontation that his is more of he has to fight deception and he has to so like I said there's another whole battlefield that goes on throughout the book and um it plays a huge role so and I'm a counselor by trade and so I think that's also part of it I really like to play with their minds and yeah so well, when you've got that background, you can you can actually dive into what the psychological feelings and consequences I, yeah. of the character of is. Yeah. So um, if, if I can ask another question, Josh, uh, not to yeah. cut off your plan questions. Um, Go for it. If I can if I can draw a parallel, that actually sounds like a like a favorite book series of mine called The Black Company by Glenn Cook. Um, 
it's it's a it's it's less sci-fi it's more high it's more high fantasy but the thing that i really actually appreciated about the first book is an is is it's a mercenary company but you don't you don't actually see them fighting in battles like battles aren't described throughout the book because it would make it bland Mm -hmm. most of the book like there is a big fight at the beginning and there is a huge epic battle at the end that are both very vivid and amazingly described but most of the book is actually downtime over the course of like a year or two in between these battles and and that and and i and it demonstrates that that same like internal battlefield like the strife of who they're working for and the moral grayness of what a rebel army or what an empire army is and and it's um uh, it's i'm i'm very interested to to read to read uh your book series because it sounds like you're trying to hit that same vein yeah she does have um like for example um she has a scene like something really terrible has happened. Like there's been a murder that has happened that somebody very dear to her, like pretty early in, um, in the series. And and it turns out it was everyone on the train. Well, <laughs> no. like I said, her dad is not a nice person. We'll just say that. Ah, okay. And um, so, and uh, she, she has an encounter in her room um, that she has to fight. And that, that encounter with, this supernatural kind of darkness that she has to deal with um, is something that kind of sets the tone um, for the rest of the series. What I'm talking about, her internal battles and some of the demons that she has to um, continually face and like choosing a path. And sometimes even when she chooses what she thought was the right path, like she's still questioning because there was, there was a part of her that she knew that she took some steps towards the wrong one and it still haunts her. And so there's going to be places like that in the book that she's going to come back to that. She's going to be remember like where, how far she almost went and it's going to, it's going to keep going. Like it's, she's not going to forget that. So. Yeah. Sounds like a great illustration of a human experience. Yes. That's awesome. No, I love that you can dive into the psychology of your characters and really make them more fleshed out than the average fantasy or sci-fi character because of your background and your your knowledge and experience. Yeah, and it helps with the villains too. Um, that's yeah. one thing with the Dark Lord. I mean, he's um, he's the typical villain as far as like he can fight and stuff, but his main weapon is the way he can spin deception he can make it seem like truth and that's that's a big part of my series is um the importance of truth and how how it can be twisted and once it's twisted that how you believe those those twisted lies and how powerful that they can they can bond they can create bondage for somebody or they can go all the way to actually it can create a something worse than death um so i just got goosebumps because yeah truth is so important and when people mess with it that could really be a powerful destructive thing so i think that's a really cool i like that a lot Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's that's, uh that's a great plot um all all the all the president's men i mean you have a whole book you have a whole movie with uh um that, that's about uh, taking down the Watergate scandal and how truth is manipulated and how basically you've got an entire world that's against two people that even though we in the future know that 
these guys were right. You didn't see, you don't see all the, um, everything they went through to actually uncover that truth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to play with that a lot. So, and even the, my good characters, um, they use deception too. So that's the other part of it. Like I have, um, because of the atmosphere that the father creates for the daughter and the mother, they are forced to use deception on their end too, just to survive the atmosphere that he's created. So you'll see that they have to do the same thing in situations. Um, so it's not just the dark Lord and, um, you know, the bad guys, um, and the, the, the girl, she also has a sh- uh, cover once she starts um, going out. She has to use what's a shipping dealer cover to get information. They, um, her and her comrade, Alina, actually end up going um, uh, undercover t- to get information, um, going into the Black Dragon to try to get. And so there are situations that they're going to end up in some very ugly situations because they have to do that. So like the deception is on a lot of different levels with a lot of different people. It sounds like the real villain in your stories is the defamation of truth. Whereas the dark Lord is just a kind of a incarnation of that, you know? So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. Well, tell us about your writing process. What was, uh, you know, how did you make these book series come to life? You know, from your imagination into a into a published finalized thing, you know? Um, wow. Um, I've actually been working on the storyline itself for over 20 years. So oh, wow. like since high school. Mm-hmm. So we won't really go with like, <laughs> we, I'll let y'all do the math because um, that could get ugly. Um <laughs> Um, so, so the story itself, like the main character, Dante and the girl, those kind of, um, those started like way back. And then I found that as time went on, like more of the story just got filled in. Um, so there's a lot of this that's just written in my head. So I know that there's a lot of people that are like, you know, like they start in on it and they get writer's block. I do not have not had any writer's block um, because that's the thing. So much of it is already written in my head. And so there was a point when finally I was like, you know, I'm just going to start writing because I have this story and it's been running around in my head for so long. Um, So once I had the two main characters, I found that the story itself started filling itself in, in my head. And then the main character, the supporting cast just, it didn't, I didn't have to think about it because it was just like, I need this one and this one, you know. Um, just pulling from your world and being like, you're here, you're there. Yeah, this is you. and it's yeah. funny when you start, um, when it starts getting in your head so much and you're, it's already there, then you find, well, I. At least I do. I find like the characters are directing me because it's like, I know how they would do. I know what they would say. I know what they would feel now. I know what, you know, I know what their next move would be. So I'm not even thinking about it. It's just, 
it's it's a weird it's it's really cool when it comes together like that so well well that's kind of the beautiful thing about world building and um you know there there's there's so many authors that have different ways of creating of creating worlds that uh that are all fascinating. And the, 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 the interesting thing to me is whatever your basis for building a world is like, uh, like, uh, Tolkien's big thing was, uh, was Norse mythology and being a, ling- uh, a linguist, um, whatever, whatever the base for, I want to create this fantastic thing is when you can expand from there using your life's experiences or what your knowledge of a culture or, or type of character is, then the characters exist in a world that now you just need to find out your impetus for a story, which it sounds like there is plenty of conflict, which drives story in your, in your trilogy. Yeah. I, I, I haven't had any shortage of that. So. Um, mm-hmm. How, uh, how have you been? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I meant to ask, I meant to ask a question about that, but I forgot where I was going because I, I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> what, what is, what was your basis for world building? What, what is the thing that like was the impetus of, I want to create a world where characters can exist and a fantastical kind of setting like this. Um, like I said, it, it does have a great deal of um, the star Wars feel to it. So that's probably the main one, but I'm one of the, I don't consider it a weakness because I, I don't, um, when I'm reading, I, I may, I'm probably, I'm probably in the minority of this. Um, so when I'm reading, I can fill in a whole bunch of details about setting, like in my head, I don't need a long description of what the, what they was around them and what the trees look like and the buildings and all that. So, um, so that's one of the things that um, when you get into my writing, you're not going to see a lot of that. You're not going to see a lot of descriptions of what was around them and where everybody was standing and what they were. Um, and so um, on that, on that end of it, um, it's just not very descriptive because it's just one of those things that when I start getting into descriptions, um, I'll, I'll have to admit that. Um, I kind of start skimming when when it starts getting too drawn out because I'm more into what are the characters thinking? Um, what are they gonna do next? Like, like I want to play with their minds. I'm I'm ready for like where are we going with this? So um so I don't I've heard do oh sorry, I I've description. Uh, I've heard Cormac McCarthy is a really good author when it comes down to that. He's the guy that wrote the road and no country for old men. And uh, apparently like a, like a trademark of his writing style is the, is the spareness of it and, and how, and how tightly it's written because you're, you um, the world is built around the characters and it's much more, it's much more like uh you're you're on a ride with these characters in their heads and what they're thinking and what they're experiencing and not that the setting is secondary but um i mean he's got much more of a grim like grounded style um but it, it sounds it sounds like you've you've made the assumption like you're you're not um uh you're not pandering to your audience you're saying yeah. you understand sci-fi there is sci-fi <laughs> 
please picture this sci-fi in a mode that suits you and suits the personality of the characters that you see. And let's figure out what makes these characters tick. And, um, and why, um, why is, why is that the, the, the important thing uh, for you? Why is, why is what makes characters tick so much more important than setting and description? I think, like I said, I think it goes back to my counseling background. I just, I, I care about more about what they're thinking and feeling and, and going, getting to the next, next scene. Um, and you see I see that in clients. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, I want to get down to, and I mean, there's always things with clients that, you know, you, you watch things, you watch their body language, you watch, you know, how they say something, but, um, you know, and if they're looking at something focused on something you might ask, but you don't, you know, I, you know, you're, you're more into their feelings and what happened and, you know, like what, how it made them feel like the incident, not, you know, what, what was located around them. It just wasn't. Yeah, fascinating. It was it's, it's not, it's not described Alonega, Georgia to me and then yeah. tell me, your yeah. deep traumas. It's, it's, how does this make you feel? Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. And like, what was going through your mind when this person said whatever or something, you know, it's so, yeah. So I think that's a lot of it. And that can be, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I have one of my other author friends. It was like, she had a hard time getting through my book and I don't think she actually did because she's one of those people that she has to, she needs a picture of like every detail. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I just can't give you that because that's not how I write. So, you know, for me, I, I recently published my first book. And when I kind of finally clicked, you know, okay on the publishing thing, I was like, not everyone's going to like my book. Some people will, but as long as at least one person connects with it and it impacts them, I'll be happy. So um, that's kind of, I, it sounds like you've had that with your book series where people have liked it. Some people have said, okay, your style is not what I need as a thing, but um, I, I I can imagine that the way you approach character and emotion and all that really hits home with some people. So I'm excited to read it. It sounds really cool. Yeah, I had fun with it. So, and I mean, I think that's what every author actually wants. They want, um, they want people to, um, it to come off the page they want people to connect with those characters they want it to become more than a story they want people to still think about it when they put the book down and and wonder what's going to happen next to that character they want them to be invested in the character they want that character's battles to become their battle um and so if you've been able to accomplish that with one person then then that's what um that's what's you're good. Um, I just finished actually um, a book. I guess it was last week, and I know the author. And I sent her something, and I was like, "Really?" Like, because I was like going to bat for one of her characters. I was like, I didn't like how like his character came out, and she's like, "It's okay." Like, okay, well, I'll I'm still you know writing the next book, and I was like, okay, well that's good. And she's like. I like him better now too. After you, <laughs> I was like, and she's like, "It's okay." She's like, "Okay, well, I didn't see it like that." And I was like, "Well, I kind of see like through his eyes. Like, I don't. I think you were too harsh on him. Like, <laughs> these things." 
<laughs> so she was just like, okay. Cause, and I think like if an author can do that to where you are looking at the characters and they don't, they don't stay on the page. They become yeah. living, breathing. You and you're, like, yeah. you're champion for them. You're fighting for them. You're like, you want them to win. You like when they actually get hurt or like they almost meet their death, you're like, Oh no. <laughs> like, yeah, it it's yeah. Being able to feel that with a character, like even, even if you're pretty sure a character has plot armor, even if you, you know, know this is someone that you're supposed to root for when they fail or when they get close to de- close to death, I- I've got a, I've got a friend in Boulder, Colorado, who does like verbal storytelling, like mm-hmm. as a, as a job, his name's Cooper. And um, he told me that one of the things that you really want to keep your audience in is story trance where you don't want the person thinking about how this character has plot armor or how this character has to survive. You want them living it with that character. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really cool that you can get input from an author friend or, and you feel comfortable giving input uh, to an author, author friend about that kind of development. Well, she asked me, she's like, so <laughs> how, you know, what did you think? And I'm like, well, I think he was kind of, I didn't see him as that mean. Like <laughs> I saw him as like, he was in the other book, like before you put him through all this. So <laughs> she was like, yeah, I like him better now too. So I was like, good. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, guys, we are just about out of time. I have a oh, limit wow. on how many episodes I can upload on my Buzzsprout by time. So I do have to, to limit them, unfortunately. But Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. We really enjoyed talking about the Sun Spirit series. I'll put a link to the series down in the description of this podcast so all the viewers can go there. And um, I'll email you to get a link for all your social media, too, so viewers can come and find you right. and follow you. And we just really appreciate your time coming on the podcast. Well, yeah, fun. absolutely. You thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording now. Thanks for a great episode of Nerds and Friends. Thank you for your time and letting me share about it. Of course.